0: is now being recorded.
1: We are SC Recruiting Podcast. Gary Pasquitz joined by Randy Taylor from National Preps and uh, Randy appreciate you joining us uh, this week on the road with some company business.
0: Yeah I'm uh, in Nashville which is a great place to have uh, a meeting. So the National Preps uh, organization which is about 16 scouts nationwide uh, and our owner, we're in, uh, Nashville having meetings for the next, uh, two days talking about, uh, how we gotta get better at what we're doing and all that, all that good stuff.
1: Okay. Well, uh, want to talk right now. I want to hit it right at the top with, uh, so some news that's kind of been brewing around for, uh, the last couple of weeks around the SC recruiting class and, uh, and, and that's around bringing in a quarterback. And, and, and there was some news about, uh, Hey, there's, they're looking to bring in someone for spring. It might not be till fall. The thought that Shea Patterson from Mississippi might be in the mix. But, uh, what we're hearing right now, the thought that JT Daniels from Modern Day, the 2019 quarterback, uh, is at least trying to figure out a way how to make it happen, to come to SC early, uh, and to be here, uh, next fall as, as part of that season. Um want to get your thoughts on that, on how that usually can happen. Uh, we've seen it happen at SC before with John David Booty. But, uh, as you and I were kind of talking about, uh, modern day is not one of those schools that's, uh, overly flexible on these issues. I remember Matt Barkley had to go through hoops, uh, to enroll one semester early. So just kind of give us all your thoughts right now on, uh, on what's, what we're hearing these days. Yeah, I think the,
0: the benefits I think are, are so obvious to the athlete by being there early and having spring ball and, and definitely for the the program, I think is is really uh, to get your quarterback especially in early is is really important. Uh, I, I think a school like Modern Day and knowing uh, how they operate and knowing Coach Rollinson and all that. I I think one thing that they're doing right now is crossing all their T's and dotting all their eyes, and and I think that's that's important. And the, and then you know the kid appears to be willing and ready to do it. Uh, to have that opportunity to, to go in and compete and, and we don't know about Sam and what's going to happen there, but I guess we're a little bit down the road from that. So it's, it really is, uh, uh, would be
1: a great opportunity for the young guy and I know the coaches would love to have him. Let me ask you this, Randy. What's your thoughts on number of quarterbacks on a roster? Like say this year, SC carried three. And I know there's, there's many coaches who say, boy, I want four at all times. Uh, do you have a preference on that?
0: Yeah, I think you'd want one every year in every class.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, the one thing you know about quarterbacks is if you get, if you have four or five, you know, depending on, some are going to transfer. That, that's the one position that they're going to transfer more than any others. And so I think that's, that you, you try to get one every year. We've talked about, well, with JT coming the next year, you know, what, what would they do? Uh, who would they take and who would want to come? And Mm -hmm. so do they go and get some kind of a sleeper quarterback that is an athlete? Uh, you know, that would be a direction they could go to have somebody on the roster that could, that could spin the ball a little bit, but may also be able to do something else for them. You know, and it really is one of those tough situations. So my ideal would be four, and if you had five, because uh, you know some are going to transfer. That that would be how I'd look at it.
1: Right, and that's, I think, when you're looking at it toward, uh, let's say you can get JT Daniels in, and, and he is part of the roster next fall camp. Um, then, like you say, at least you're protected and you have three. If, if Sam were to go, you would have three. Uh, yes. I don't think even if let, let's say it doesn't work out if Sam does go and JT doesn't work out, they're not going to go in, in the next fall with two. They would find something else to make it happen. But I, but I think that would be ideal obviously to have Sam stay, to have JT come in and learn from him. And then there is a nice competition uh after that, after Sam naturally leaves, Uh see what happens with something like that. That could get real interesting. Yeah, there's no question. And they have talent. I mean, it's, it's, you know,
0: USC is not going to not have talent. So they've got some guys with, with Sears and those kind of guys that, I, that I've that i already talked about. But I think it'll be interesting. Uh, it really puts you in a tough spot, though, when you're low on numbers on quarterbacks. Two right. is, right, not acceptable. No, uh, three is is shaky. And so, uh, you know, I've been around teams that lose two, two quarterbacks in the first month, you know, of the season. And then what do you do? So it uh, really is one of those things that, that you have to have depth there, and, and I'm sure that you guys have every kind of contingency plan, uh, you know. On, and, and I would think they also probably know what Sam's going to do.
1: I'm you know, going to guess that way too.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and so I think they they have worked all of these scenarios out. and
1: And it, and
0: it might indicate where Sam is if they do – a B and C differently than they
1: might. hmm Mm-hmm. So in the situation this year there was three on the roster, but uh, I, I liked you had a couple guys if you needed to in a pinch, you had Jalen Green, uh yep. who you could have used. And I would always yeah. say that uh I would have no problem flipping a JNA Harris over if uh if yeah. you absolutely needed to. Yeah, you.
0: There are you know they're such good athletes, and they have the ability to throw the football and and run certain parts of an offense mm-hmm. that would be a, would be productive. So, uh, you know, SC is one of those schools that that has less problems in those areas than than others do, where they're just trying to find athletes to fill other positions and and couldn't afford to move
1: a great athlete to back to quarterback. That's tough right. too. Of a former city champion winning quarterback in the J.N.A. Harris at Crenshaw. Yeah. So, absolutely. Nice to, yeah. nice to have those kind of options. <laughs> it sure is.
0: It sure is.
1: Okay. Well, we, uh, a- after the Pac 12 championship game victory over Stanford, um, we got the news that the USU will be pulling in the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State. And uh, I think there's four guys at the top of the list um, that are, are really being pursued by both schools right now, coming down the wire, and it's an impressive list of four names, Randy. Uh, it's Jackson Carmen, the big offensive tackle from Ohio, who's still got a visit coming uh, out here to SC, but he put a Twitter report out after this an- announcement was made saying, I'm going to have my eyes on this game. Uh yeah. Palaiyea. Uh yeah, we both know who it is. Uh Geoteote. I'm way off on that one. But uh, right. he is taking an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. Uh yeah. Solomon Tuliagu um, the recent Buckus Award winner and part of the CIF winning team. And then Jaden Woodby is an Ohio State commit still, but boy, when a young man from a Bosco is spending so much time around the SC program, as Jaden did this fall. Uh, mm-hmm. There is legitimate interest right there. So just give us your thoughts on uh, how this game could look uh, as far as those four players are concerned. Well, I think on the Carmen, uh,
0: you know, he's coming here uh, uh, the 15th of December, but he's going to Clemson on the 8th from mm-hmm. from what I'm able to understand. He's already yeah. had his official at, at Ohio State. So I think that's a matter of who, who impresses him the most and is he going to leave home. And so that, that's probably, it's really hard to leave Ohio State or to leave Ohio. And so, and, and we're we'll going to talk about that a little bit. But, so I think it's, it's those three, uh, and they're so different when you go to the South with Clemson and then he knows about Ohio and then come to the West with USC. Uh huh. And so much of that depends on what kind of kid he is. Is he going to love the, the LA, Hollywood, the ocean, or is he? He is football the most important. Uh, would he fit in the South at Clemson? You know, that's a different world. So he's going to figure all that stuff out in these next few weeks. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I would think that that he probably would know what he's going to do after after the SC visit, uh, as long as he doesn't commit at Clemson, which sometimes they do. They follow mm-hmm. us. Sure. So which guys tend to fall in love a lot until they get married, right? Right. <laughs> and then uh the the Gorman linebacker, you know, uh SC commit. I, I think you're gonna have to battle on him and Solo uh all the way through on their potential visits. I think these days you know, we talk a hundred times about the word commitment. I mm-hmm. think those are two guys that are just so good. And so coveted by teams that, uh, they're going to be pursued and may, uh, may decide to just be sure in their minds, which turns into, I'm going somewhere else. And so that, that's a, that's a tough one. And, uh, but I think you just, you don't even worry about it. Now you could be a coaching staff that says, if you take another visit after you commit, you're done. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think we're in that day and age anymore. Right. I think I think you take the commitment like we said as just a you're leaning more towards us than you are somebody else. That's it's just the way it is means. These days. Yeah. Oh, and, and then would be, you know, I, I think uh that one is is uh interesting. You know, there was another Saint John Bosco not long ago, Wyatt Davis, right? hmm From Bosco who went to Ohio State. Correct. And so there's a the guy there that Jaden probably knows uh does that have an impact on it or not uh and then the fact that he's comfortable and he's he's been around SC and and they're probably working him like crazy so all of it's up in the air uh and and even if a guy like Carmen commits to Clemson he may come back commit to SC and then go to Ohio State so it's a crazy. You just world. never
1: know these days. And you, you, you mentioned Jaden having a teammate there. Uh Pala'i, Gorman. There's also a couple Gorman guys um, yep. on the Ohio State roster. Tate Martell, Haskell Garrett. So uh yeah. it's gonna be interesting with with four pretty high high profile guys. Like you said, I don't you know, I, I understand Palae is a commit to the Trojan, but like like you say, there's a lot up in the air right now for four top guys. This is gonna be interesting. Let's keep it on USC Ohio State recruiting. And, uh, you, you made a great point that I agree with. Ohio kids don't leave Ohio. They go to Ohio State. Um but let's give a name for each. Who did you, did you, uh, the biggest recruiting get you've ever seen USC get from Ohio? And the biggest recruiting get you've ever seen Ohio State get from California? Well, I kind of have a few names.
0: And I mentioned Wyatt Davis. In, in my day, that's probably not as, as you know, uh personal. Uh, I think one of the guys to me is Kenyon Rambo. Gotcha. Being in, <laughs> that know, was my guy. Yep. <laughs> during the during the nineties, uh, losing that kid to leave leave LA, leave Long Beach, and go to go to Ohio. And, and I tell you another guy, and and uh, is Michael Wiley was another guy, but he's a Northern California guy that went out to Ohio State from Vista. So. But, but Rambo's probably the guy that comes to me first as, as the guy that was biggest or one of the great big names in, in California that went to Ohio State.
1: I, I'm going to go with you on, uh, on Kenyon, going, go, going in that direction. Only cause, well, in a big way because that's right when we were starting the, uh, Fox High School coverage yeah. uh, and the site. So we were just getting into high school recruiting and Kenyon was part of that first class uh that 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 we really covered and uh like you say so much signs there of poly sc poly sc and mm-hmm. uh absolutely it just seemed like a way that could have easily gone and it didn't so uh I, I, i'm with you on that one okay ohio to uh usc now so here
0: here's some probably the biggest name and it's probably most recent to me was andre walker the kid that came out of glenville high school uh-huh. Uh, he's probably one of those guys. The other guy, though, that I think uh, everybody has the most fond memories about, it's got to be Fred Davis from uh, with the tight end from Rogers High School. And oh, sure, sure. Th- those two guys probably, in my recollection, are, are the biggest guys that that. Uh, and I don't remember
1: how big a recruit Fred Davis was,
0: but oh, he, sure he was, was a, a heck he,
1: of a player. Uh, he he yeah, he was when he got here. Uh right. Uh, Mackey Award winner, but yeah, no, he he was a elite top five kind of tight end, and it was a you know sneak him out in the cover of darkness in the middle of the night <laughs> deal when, when when he flew out here because uh, right. Pete Carroll knew if there is one fan base that uh, is going to flip out about something like this, he he made sure to be extra careful with Fred. So <laughs> yeah, they probably had Pete having been on the Ohio State, the State staff at one point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah, they had people in Toledo making sure Fred didn't leave. <laughs> exactly, but, but but he made yeah. it out here, and, and boy, uh, SC fans were glad of it. Let me give you a, a, a name from back in the seventies, uh, Randy. How about Gary Jeter? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. There, there, I mean, there's been some great ones. Uh, I think there's more that would have left uh, here to go there than Ohio to here. Right in my mind, I think it's it's probably easier to find those kind of guys than it is to find the, the, the other way. I, Cause I think Ohio is so unique and I think California is, is a little more transient and, and a little less uh, loyalty to, and there's so many different universities in California. So I, I think it's, it's much harder to find those those guys coming here than it is the other way.
1: And then there was the year uh, the, the two Southern California quarterbacks went back. There was Austin Mockerman and yeah. then uh the kid from uh it was Grace Brethren? Um Maybe that's the long brethren. David yeah. something or but yeah, oh, two, four, two, two kind of good quarterbacks from Southern was California. Was it David though. Shaw? David Shaw Something there? Anywhere.
0: No, I don't think that one was it, but no. uh I uh, uh, my in my old age, my my delicate uh, yeah, <laughs> I, so. I know that was we're, we're probably going back about twenty years on that
1: one. So, uh, yeah, okay, well, I'll ask yeah. you. I, I know you are a Midwest guy, so I know there is a lot of uh, a lot of Rose Bowl love in in, in your background. Um, yeah. So, give us your favorite USC Ohio State Rose Bowl memory.
0: Probably the '75
1: Rose Bowl, and 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 I
0: was still playing myself, and so it was USC uh, won at eighteen to seventeen. It was McKay versus Woody uh, and, and Archie Griffin and Anthony Davis. And so you throw those guys in. Uh, right. And I, and that was the same year Anthony had that great Notre Dame game. Uh-huh. And, and, and what happened was the two-point conversion to win it. Pat Hayden to Shelton Diggs. And, you know, it just seems like it was yesterday. And that whole – all of those different characters – and uh you know, USC winner on a two point conversion at the end of the game was was pretty special. There was another game that, that uh that I liked too. That was kind of the Charles White game in nineteen eighty. And that was Earl Bruce and John Robinson. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really a game that I remember. And I kinda you know, I was reading a little bit about it. Uh Ohio State was number one, S C number three, and Pete Carroll was the DB coach yep. for Ohio State. Yep. So that, that was kind of an interesting. Art Sleister was playing for Ohio State. Charles White had 257 yards rushing. So, the, you know, just those are kind of games that kind of stick out. And, and, and back in those days, growing up in, in North Central Illinois, I was a Trojan fan because of OJ Simpson. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so I, 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 now.
0: Yeah, and I so I remember the J.K. McKay's and the and the, the uh, oh Sam Bam Cunningham and all those different players. So that was kind of fun for me watching those games. My my dad and brother were Notre Dame fans, so that was fun.
1: Okay, yeah, it was uh, for for me. It was the 1980 game that was my first Rose Bowl. Uh, that was oh 92. yeah, and uh, yeah, when, when 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 Charles went over the top, that 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 was it for me. Um, Wasn't that great? Uh, Both that one good. point games too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, – it was interesting. I, 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 was, I was asked earlier, uh, doing an interview with someone, and they said, is, are, are USC fans, is the Trojan program disappointed about ending up in the Cotton Bowl? And I said, no, when, when you're talking USC, Ohio State, yeah. You know, th- 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 if this doesn't get you going um, – Yeah, no question. Th- th- and th- the Cotton Bowl is bowl's one of the,
0: the – and I've been on a staff in the Cotton Bowl, and that's one of the best bowls there is. They treat you so well. Right. And it's so well done. Those kids and coaches on both sides are going to have a great time and 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 the cotton bowl is special anyway. It's not one of the the old b c s bowls but it is it it is has as much tradition and glory to it as as there is and then you throw a house State and i see doesn't get getting
1: better that's it exactly okay. let's yeah. get to the uh Taylor topic of the week and uh you want to talk some stuff about the uh contact period yeah so so what
0: you know this is for all of you uh uh, folks that love this recruiting, you're going to get a break coming up. And, and December 17th starts or ends what we're in right now, which is the contact period. And I always try to encourage the, the high school juniors and and sophomores and freshmen. This is a huge time, especially in Division One football. This contact period, you're really wrapping up your 2018 players. But you're out there going to high schools now to see the 2019 and the 2020 and the 21 kids. So USC and UCLA and the, and the the larger schools, the more elite programs, you're trying to keep the kids that you have during this contact period, but you're also going into homes and you're able to spend time with the parents and time with the athlete. And so the contact period, which started, it's always the last Sunday of November. It started last Sunday, and it runs uh, until December 17th, which is when the Christmas holiday break starts. And then that ends, uh, that dead period is what's called, ends January 11th. And the contact period again starts after the American Football Coach Association uh, uh, convention. And so, you, you know, that's when you get all your late kids who maybe haven't, Decided, you know, maybe that's another quarterback for USC mm-hmm. that comes after the 11th and, and makes an official visit. So keep an eye on it, uh, but, but you'll have the, the holiday to take a little break. There won't be a lot of news. The, the coaches can call athletes during that time to get one a week, but coaches will be off the road. And in a lot of cases for UCLA and for the different Oregon state, now, not Oregon with losing their coach, that's when they're going to be really be working on their staff to to put that staff together, so mm-hmm. there's a lot uh that goes into the contact period that's important uh, for the coaches and for the kids and then uh, uh after this on on December seventeenth we get a little break except for those uh, uh coaches who are trying to figure out their staff so it's mm-hmm. a great time of year uh and and uh it's a really an interesting time. Because the coaches that are really good at recruiting are going to make the perfect phone calls during that dead period and to the right person and be consistent. And the guys that aren't very good at recruiting
1: will think, well, we're in a dead period, you know. And Mm -hmm. and
0: you just have to outwork everybody in recruiting.
1: Well, let me ask you quick before we end this uh, podcast. The, uh, I know the Oregon situation just played out today with Taggart leaving. Uh, give me your name or two that you could see end up uh, being in that final mix of the Ducks. Well, my guess is probably uh Chris Double, uh, You know, will probably who's going to be
0: the interim? He's probably a guy that that should be considered. You know, I've heard names like Leach, and you know, all of the usual suspects suspects get get thrown out there. Uh, I haven't taken enough time to go look at some former Oregon coaches and players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's wide, wide, wide open right now. Uh, and, and we'll see who Phil Knight wants. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that is
0: reality. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. I appreciate Even it. I appreciate the time as always, Randy. Enjoy Nashville and, uh, we will talk to you next week.
0: Okay, buddy. Thanks.